Hey, what's going on? Green Biscuit Day, and welcome to another special edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. I believe this is episode 165. Uh, and in a special edition, it is just me, again, uh, with a special guest this week, joined by who I would describe as the most interesting person in baseball. Uh, she's done just about everything there is to do. Well, maybe not everything, but she's, she's seen the game from places that most of us uh, can only dream. She's seen it from angles and perspectives. Uh, and it's it's funny that we... I, I reached out to uh, her name, of course, Alexis Bernicke, uh, Baseball Canada, Baseball America, uh, formerly of the Blue Jays. Uh, you see, you read her on the Hardball Times, uh, any number of places. I reached out to Alexis last week and said, hey... We're gonna, I'm going to have you on uh, on the show if you're if you're willing and able, and she was, and it was great. But little did we know that there would be a Canadian baseball um, maelstrom. I don't know. The shit hit the fan for K- baseball Canada this week, and it just so happened that Alexis and I had agreed to do the show tonight. So this has been uh, somewhat fortuitous timing. So I'm excited to talk to her about. Uh, Canadian baseball, talk to her about scout school, talk to her about every conceivable place within the game that she's been, uh, and get uh, her uh, incredible and valued insights. So, with no further ado, take a little break, we'll come back with Alexis Rudnicki on Birds All Day. Alright, so here we are. It is my pleasure this time to be joined by uh, none other than uh, the one I referred to earlier as the most interesting person in baseball, Alexis Burdicki. Alexis, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I, I've sprung that on you. I didn't. I didn't let you. I didn't. You haven't heard the intro, so you didn't know that. That's... No, I haven't. That's. Um, I don't even know what to think about that. That's. I mean, that's an incredible introduction. I'll take it. I, well, I'm really excited because. When I when we typically do these interviews, they're 15, 20, 25 minutes. But even judging by what we've talked about before I press record, we could talk for hours about a million different things. And because you, more than anyone I've met or known, have an incredible uh, array of experiences within the game of baseball. And that's well, that's why you're here. I'm excited to talk to you. But before we do that anyway, um, people probably know you from, uh, well, from uh, again, any of those millions of experiences. But number one, <laughs> nobody, nobody carries the Canadian baseball flag like you, which has made... I do love my Canadian baseball, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's important, I think, and it, everyone would acknowledge that it is such a tight-knit community. And I think that's what made what happened this week sort of very surprising. Uh, Canadian baseball players really stick up for themselves, stick up for each other, and and the community is small but dedicated, and there's lots of travel and all that stuff. And uh, I think Stoughton and I talked about it on an episode earlier, the, right after the James Paxson's no-hitter, because there was a picture, and there are four Canadians in the American League. So it takes a lot for these guys to climb the ladder and get jump through all the hoops and overcome all the obstacles to get to the highest level. So when there's a champion like yourself who's who's bigging these guys up and 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 highlighting their successes and, and working and it's not just you. We would be I would we, you I'm sure you would the, the Canadian baseball network is full of so many, you know, dedicated hardcore uh, uh real like like I said advocates for the game, champions for for the for the cause. Uh, but you for me are like the face of it at this point. Now you are it's it's <laughs> because because you're not a retired guy, let's be honest. Uh, you know, a lot of, like, obviously Bob Elliott, everyone could, oh, was a, a debt of gratitude to Bob Elliott and, and people like him, but it's important for someone, people like you, 
coming up, not only uh, uh, being the, the new face, the new face in, in, in all these different terms, because you don't look like the baseball men, as they would, as they probably say. So, Canadian baseball, Joey Votto, he broke your young heart this week, did he not? Yeah, he definitely did. I know that he, some people are coming at his his comments of saying, you know, I don't really care that much about Canadian baseball with the why do you care about those comments? And and I totally understand that, but Canadian baseball for me has really been my whole life. I played baseball uh, locally in London, Ontario. I sucked at it, so then I started watching more baseball, and then I I mean, I ended up with a job with the Toronto Blue Jays, and I and then I got into writing about baseball. And my whole life really has revolved around baseball, and Canadian baseball has really been what's given me every opportunity and really the motivation and the perseverance to keep going. It's a tough industry, especially as a female in a, in a male-dominated profession, to just kind of keep going. But for me... It's the Canadian players that are, I've, they've been the most welcoming. Um, they've been the most fun to be around. They've really made this into my life. They've really helped me find a place where I feel like I fit in and I belong and I have a voice. And the community is super tight-knit. Everybody kind of knows everybody in Canadian baseball. And there are so many advocates for the game. And I, my bosses right now are two former big leaguers from London and Dorchester, Adam Stern and Chris Robinson, and they've created a program of their own uh, just to give kids opportunities that they didn't have when they were this age. So for me, when someone kind of says that the Canadian game didn't do anything for them or that it doesn't really matter to them, it is a little heartbreaking because Number one, I don't think that's actually true. Um, I mean, he, he came from somewhere and he ended up a second round pick out of a high school in Etobicoke. So it's not like he wasn't getting seen in Canada um, and he got opportunities while right at home. Um, but I mean, number two, I just think he's he has such a huge influence on the game in general on other players and the way that they see him and where he comes from and what this game is, where he comes from. And just for players coming up in Canada, coming from really anywhere, it's just his voice is louder than many of the other voices out there. And I think it's just disappointing to hear that. Um, obviously, he apologized, and I think that that's, that's great. But it definitely was disappointing and definitely was a little bit of a heartbreaker this week. It's surprising because he, I mean, I'm I'm glad that he apologized. And from what from where I sit, I don't know uh, him, but he definitely seemed um, sincere to me. But it is unfortunate that it even had came to that. It's unfortunate that he. I mean, people say things on podcasts, and you know, I know as well as anybody, people get carried <laughs> away, and you want to, you're playing to the audience a little bit, and if you've got a couple of guys on the other end of the line who are who are yucking it up and kind of eating up what you're saying, uh, the temptation to. Uh, take it a little bit further is uh, can be difficult to resist, but uh, there. I mean, I don't think that it's it's unfair to say that. Sorry, what I'll say is you you mentioned uh, uh, Chris Robinson and, and Adam Stern, guys who were trying to provide opportunities that weren't there when they grow they when they were coming up, which is to say that Joey Votto maybe didn't have some of those opportunities, and and if he has a bit of bitterness about it, that kind of bubbled up 
in the, in this moment. Um, uh, maybe this, this is definitely not the right way for him to go about it, right? To, to like air that those grievances. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, but I just think that, I mean, it did sound like in the apology that he he was disappointed in like not being a member of the Canadian Junior National Team, um, mm-hmm. and not being drafted by the Blue Jays, but. I mean, let's be honest. He was a second-round pick. Like, there are not a whole lot of second-round picks or higher coming from Canada. He had some opportunities there. Maybe he wasn't the Blue Jays pick. I mean, so sad, too bad. That didn't really work out for the Blue Jays either. So maybe you can take some solace in that. And I don't know where Russ Adams is right now, but, like, (laughs) too bad, I guess. But I just think, I mean, he did have opportunities. He had people in this country who helped him and who who i mean got his his name out there his face out there i know that even the scouts uh now who who have been scouting for years and who scouted canada back when he was in high school i know that i've heard them say firsthand that yeah they missed on him they did but he was a second round pick there's there are not a lot of I mean, guys picked in the second round who don't have opportunities or who don't get seen. And I mean, I, I just think that that's tough. And to, he is a, I know he is a huge supporter of Baseball Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even every year that I've been to the banquet that he hasn't won an award, which probably isn't that many years, but he, he like sneaks into the banquet so that it's not about him. And it's actually about the organization, but he still is there to support to sign stuff, to donate stuff, to, I mean, to talk to Greg Hamilton and just show what it means to him. And so I guess I was, number one, I actually didn't really think the comments were true. I kind of thought maybe he was joking or sarcastic or was taken out of context and I had to listen to it. But number two, I mean, I'm, I'm really sorry that you weren't picked in the draft by the Toronto Blue Jays, but and you and you weren't a junior national team member but there were some opportunities there definitely and even speaking of adam stern wasn't a member of the junior national team either mm-hmm. um and he definitely wasn't a second round pick so i i mean i don't know it was just kind of it's it was just tough to hear and the, the apology i yeah i definitely think was sincere too um i mean if there's anyone who's thoughts I could never predict it would probably be Joey Votto Mm. um he's just so different of a person um and I mean but obviously what he's doing or what he thinks about baseball is working for him but it's so I would never like want to guess what was going through his mind or how he saw that coming across or what happened but I do know I mean he did reach out to Bob Elliott and he asked and he wanted to apologize and Bob gave him the opportunity to to write the email that he wrote and the apology online was in his words. I watched uh, one of the vocal apologies on Baseball Central and I believe it was sincere. And I mean, I don't believe that was something he had to do either. I mean, my heart was broken, but my feelings don't really matter. He can say and do whatever he wants and I'm going to always champion Canadian baseball, but it is nice to, to have him kind of on, on that side of the cause as well. It's hard out there for a cold weather guy, right? You know, you talk about Adam Stern and, and Joey Votto. The fact that a, a a guy playing cold weather baseball, playing in Toronto, not even you know Vancouver where the, or and or the West Coast where the weather is that much nicer. I mean, it, Joey Votto, you know, with 
between Joey Votto and Mike Trout, it's it's uh, it's it, the inexact science of of cold weather. You know, small sample sc- scouting uh, is, is taking a beating today or of, of late. <laughs> so so, but I, I think I think you you made a good point too, and and you talked about and you had a, a thread on Twitter as well that saying those there are many of these same things that that Joey Votto Votto you know he does. Um, you know, he comes to the banquet. He 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 contributes. Baseball Canada does. Um, baseball Canadian baseball does mean something to him. So so uh, you know, again, disappointing. Hopefully, he, everyone's able to uh, to move past it, and hopefully, Joey Votto learned about uh, maybe some of that that like you said, how his voice is loudest, and maybe he got uh, has a, a better perspective on on what that meant. Now, moving yeah, on. I definitely hope so. Yeah. We don't we don't need to trample on your broken heart anymore. We can. Uh, <laughs> We can turn the page, uh, but you did mention that you worked for the for the Blue Jays. So, uh, could you tell uh, us about some of what you did? And and I know that you worked in like game ops, and you were in there, like you said, pushing buttons and, and doing all kinds of uh, stuff in the moment in the game. How much of the game experience of people in the stadium? Uh, what what goes into it? Like, how much do people not recognize all the moving parts that are going on behind the scenes? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so much that I think people don't know is going on. And honestly, you don't even really think about until you kind of see. I definitely never thought about it until um, I kind of saw things behind the scenes. I worked um, on the game day production crew in the control room as a statistician and scoreboard operator. So whenever, you know, somebody would come to a game, a Blue Jays game at Rogers Center, anything that you would see up on any of the video boards which we have boards on the fences we have boards behind the bullpens we have ribbon boards we have a main board um we have kind of boards everywhere so anytime you see anything that's that was up there um that was not marketing related anything that was baseball related stats game notes um anything like that that was what i did so i compiled the numbers, I did the game notes, um, we did some situ- situational statistics, if someone was warming the bullpen, I'd be the one to let you know, um, and the crew that I was a part of, just our game day production crew, was 25 people, so that is kind of what's behind game entertainment, there are 25 people just working on that stuff for the fans who come in, so we had a producer, a director, um, an assistant director. We had guys who just cut the highlights. Um, they would also do the replay on the video board mm-hmm. when you would watch the replay. Uh, and those guys actually still do it. I'm the only one who's not there anymore. So those they're all still there. Um, we have people who just run the between inning videos. Um, we had a guy who ran all of the prompts and all of the advertisements that you see during the innings. Uh, we had a guy who... Literally, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Advertisements yeah. at the Rogers Center? Come on. <laughs> I know, tough to swallow. It's uh, You barely ever see it. Really. <laughs> so, uh, and we had a guy who literally just put in every pitch by pitch and every single play, every time a base runner moved. Um, that mm-hmm. job, honestly, to me, the hardest job in the world because my attention span is not that Mm-hmm. great <laughs> I could I could get every play but every pitch um, probably wasn't my forte um, and we had just a person typing in every single thing that happened on the field so if somebody grounded out to second they would be typing in you know third inning ground out to second 
fifth inning fly out to right field. Um, so there are so many people, and that doesn't even include the camera guys. So we had, I think, seven camera people. Um, and I'm definitely missing some people and some jobs, but it, it was, <laughs> it's like a TV truck, and uh, but a little bit bigger um and only for home games so it was something i knew nothing about uh at all i went to sports journalism graduate school and was kind of introduced to that side of i guess sports um by mark askin the leafs tv producer and he just he came in and talked to one of our classes and after class i said like, listen, I don't care about hockey or the Leafs. I'm really sorry, but I want to know what you do or what the equivalent of what you do is in baseball, and I want to do it. Like, let me let me add it. Because for me, I really wanted to find a place where I could still love sports. Mm-hmm. I wanted to write, but you hear from a lot of writers that, you know, no cheering in the press box. You can't have a favorite team. You can't like anything anymore. Nothing's fun. And... That was not for me. I baseball was my is my absolute favorite thing in the world, and I wanted it to stay that way. And I wanted to be able to enjoy when awesome things happen and cheer and have fun. And I mean, writing about Canadian baseball is also a great way to do that. But mm-hmm. being in the control room was uh, was awesome. I spent eight seasons with the Blue Jays um, in that position. It changed a little bit along the way, but basically in that position for for eight years that's amazing so over those eight years the kind of information that fans would encounter at in the stadium has changed a lot too as the kind of conversations um around the game changed how how did that sort of stuff sort of trickle through and 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 like how was it was were that was some of that a bit of a tough sell or, or or what was the sort of um you know as people are like oh we want to talk about you know if it was ops early on and then there's more pitch classification information up there and now there's all this extra stuff and like where who how, how does that balance how do you strike that balance in that room and and in kind of production meetings and, and as you're looking ahead season over season yeah so that was it definitely was a tough sell um and it all really i would have plenty of ideas and i would talk to our producer a lot um and we would go back and forth on stuff and it really all came down to um, I mean, early on, it came down to Alex Anthopoulos, and later on, it came down to Mike Shapiro. They kind of chose what we would do or um, what we were going to display. Mm-hmm. In the end, everything was their final decision, and it did go to them. Um, and there were some interesting conversations because even there was one year, I think maybe Alex Anthopoulos' last season in Toronto, he wanted to right now on the on the main board you get both teams um just their i think their position their number their name and their average um for every hitter and so he wanted to completely replace average with just ops and not have average up there at all Mm -hmm. Um, i'm cheering right now my hands my arms are raised above my head i'm like pumping my fists yeah so that was actually something though that i I guess I kind of fought against it. Like I wanted to have OPS up there for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and they do, they added, it's on the ribbon board instead of the main board, but I didn't think it should completely replace it because I didn't want fans to get turned off of it. So the fans, I thought in my opinion that 
that already knew what OPS was and were happy to see it were fans that were going to come back to a game again. And part of the job of game entertainment is to get fans to come back to the games again. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a casual fan coming to one game, I think it's a lot easier for them to kind of understand average than it is OPS. Um, But we wanted as much as we could up there. And when we did make that decision, we added a lot more situational statistics um, that with kind of more sabermetric type options that would drop down over the visitors lineup when the Blue Jays players were coming up to bat. Mm -hmm. But that, yeah, that changed a whole lot from the beginning when I was there. Part of it is designing um, just the way that the graphics look on the board. That was all done by a graphics designer. So I would kind of write it, sketch it out on paper um, for a lot of stuff. And then it would go through our producer and our technical engineer and our graphics designer and um, things then would kind of trickle back to me and whatever we ended up with was what we were going to go with. And um, yeah, I have to say that I did try to push for a lot more stats and a lot of different stuff. And our producer was super responsive to that. Um, But it also just wasn't our final decision. Uh, but I think everybody kind of agreed like more information is better. So as, and I expect that to continue. So as like the years go on and as games go on and they'll get more upgrades and more boards and stuff like that, mm-hmm. there'll be definitely just more baseball information. That's really interesting. That's to me, that's super interesting that, uh, there are there are so many of those things to consider that yeah here I am being like oh look at Alex Anthopoulos the hero wants wants OPS <laughs> on the board but but of course it it is a big tent like you know for for the as you said the the people you know pre- there's only so much space you can dedicate to preaching to the choir when yeah. there are like the fun family anecdotes and the sort of the uh, you have to run the gamut and 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 I, I that is to me that's very interesting about trying to walk. Um, walk that walk that line and, and find that balance. Uh, uh, so that's it. So we'll, we'll move on. Like, again, we could talk about this, any of these things. We, we could be their entire <laughs> own episode. Uh, but you mentioned writing about baseball, and and you the most recent thing that you wrote uh, that you wrote for the Hardball Times was about your experience at scout school, which is not the same as working in a production truck, but is still. Um, incredibly interesting, and I know um, there's been a few other people who have written about things. Uh, ben Lindbergh wrote about going to scout school, but of course, your experience was is going to be still so much different than, than someone like Ben's, which I think was was the, kind of the main thrust of of the piece that that you wrote. But but tell us or tell me, there's no us, it's just you and I about <laughs> uh, about like how that conversation got started, where that you where you pro- approached the team and said this is something that I want to do, and and how they can how they could have they supported you in that. And then what you what you uh, kind of sort of just that journey like from oh, this is what I want to do to oh my god this is happening to and then all the stuff that you kind of got you you know touched on in your piece so so take me from the beginning then when, when did that plant when did that seed get planted in your head? Yeah, I I guess I've kind of I've known about scout school for some time, um, and for me I I I just kind of I want to be involved in baseball in any way shape or form possible. I never really kind of picked one I, I think that's probably why I've had so many different experiences I never picked one thing that mm-hmm. I thought like this is what I'm gonna do and this is what I'm only gonna do and so I was just looking for more baseball opportunities all the time and I really as I started to write more um for Canadian Baseball Network and focus kind of on not only the big leagues but 
the minor leagues and independent leagues and college and high school players, I really got interested in the development side of the game. Mm -hmm. And scout school was just this like elusive thing that I just wanted to do and never knew how to do it. And I knew you had to be sponsored by a team. Um, and I actually had heard in 2015 that they were going to do, it was like the final scout school, the bureau was shutting down and they weren't going to do scout school anymore. So I, I asked the blue Jays, I asked anyone I knew within the blue Jays, I asked everyone I knew who worked for another team. I sent out like emails to people I met one time from other organizations, just kind of asking you know, if you have a free spot in sc for scout school this year, like I'll pay my own way, but I just really want to go to scout school. If you have an open, open spot, just please let me know. Can you put my name in? Like a lot of these people that I was asking were not even in the position to do so. And I was like, can you just like pass my name along to someone else? And, um, it never happened that year. Nothing really kind of took off, but fortunately scout school continued. Um, the Bureau did downsize and our our version of Scout School was shorter than some of the others and had fewer instructors and fewer students, but um, it did continue. And then, so the following summer was when Mark Shapiro started with the Blue Jays. I guess he came at the end of the season the year before, but um, so 2016, I got to sit down with Mark Shapiro and it was mostly because of one of the guys I worked with at Baseball America, Matt Foreman, who is now the assistant general manager of the Cleveland Indians, um, obviously got to know Mark when he was with the Indians and he kind of told Mark about me before Mark came to the Blue Jays and said, you know, you should meet this girl. She like, she talked to her, sit down with her and after I kind of worked past some nerves, I just asked Mark one day in the press box, like, can I talk to you? Can we sit down? And he said, sure. And I had no idea what I was going to say. And I definitely like blabbered my way through the whole thing, but we sat down and in the end he was like, we should send you to scout school. And I was like, hundred percent. Yep. You should. This is <laughs> the best idea in the world. Definitely do that. And, um, so he, I mean, Mark Shapiro was the guy who sent me to scout school. Um, but it doesn't happen that way for a lot of people. Usually, I think it's the scouting director mm -hmm. um, or someone actually in scouting specifically. But uh, Mark was the one who kind of got the ball rolling for me and sent me to scout school. And so that was how it started. That's amazing. And then so yeah. you, you wrote a lot about how you – there was a lot of a bit of um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, imposter syndrome when you were there, but then but then it sounded like just like you're the process of getting to scout school. Uh, you just put in the time and you put in the work and you and you sort of came around uh, to yourself. But like, what what was in your experience? I mean, again, you said you played baseball, you've been around the game now your whole life, uh, but but trying to see it from that angle, it sounds like it was like a completely different world, a completely different angle uh, animal. Yeah, I was so nervous. I think, um, I mean, part of it was I, I met my, my, I call him my teammate, um, Julio Ramirez. He was the other person that the Blue Jays sent. So we met like um, a little bit before we left uh, in Toronto. And then we, we were on the plane ride together to Phoenix and stuff like that. So I, I had one ally when I started. And then I met my roommate when I got there, who was the only other 
female person in our scout school. Um, so, and we quickly became great friends, uh, and we still are, and she's awesome. Em- Emily Fragapani works for the Dodgers in research and development and is awesome and for sure will be a GM one day. Um, but so I had a couple allies right from the start, but I was super, super nervous. And like our seating was assigned. So those two couldn't have been further away from me in the classroom, which was tough. And uh, right next to me were like two big leaguers. And I'm like, okay, so, all right, you guys know everything. And here I am sitting next to you. And uh, so, and actually one of them played with Joey Votto. So we talked about that a lot, oddly <laughs> enough. But um, so Right away, I was like, I don't know if I know what everyone else knows. And um, obviously, I mean, nobody does. So, but it was tough. And we had a a mix of like front office people, um, like stats people, people who probably didn't actually ever get out and see games outside um, a whole lot, didn't get away from computers. Um, and, and then we had like a lot of former players. Uh, Shelly Duncan was probably the player with the most uh, service time in my class. And wow, Shelly Duncan. Awesome. And, what a stud. Yeah, he is, and he's freaking hilarious and so, so smart. Like he, he probably made me the most nervous at first because he would ask questions that were like three steps and three answers ahead of the questions that I had in my head. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to have any conversations with Shelly because that's not going to go very well. <laughs> and I mean, and Shelly's awesome. We're definitely friends now and it went really well. But um, yeah, I was just like, it was an overload of information. You get there and you're used to, you're used to, you know, watching games in a stadium or on TV or even sitting around scouts and that's what I knew and I and you know you have radar guns you know what the velos are or you know what a pitcher throws and what he has in his repertoire and you know his background and we had none of that stuff and then they started asking us to look for you know not just like physical stuff like is he tall is he large is he strong is he solid is he tightly wound is his torso extended like these were how we had to describe guys and then we had to go through their mechanics like did he have a full windup a medium windup was he throwing from a three-quarter slot was he throwing sidearm was he throwing high three-quarter was he upright was he controlled balanced and this is just pitchers like I could do this for hitters too so it was all of a sudden the game that I watched I like had to I felt like I had to throw it all out the window start again and look for seven million things that I never looked for before. So I, I definitely was a little overwhelmed. And the first night we went to a game, uh, we got back to the classroom after the game. And they were like, make as many notes as you can. Just like look at everybody, make all the notes you can. And the starter went like an inning and two thirds. And I was like, okay, like we're not gonna write him up. Cause we, we, always, we often wrote up the best guys in the game Mm -hmm. but that didn't necessarily mean the guys who had the best games it was the guys with the best stuff or the guys that they thought would like make it easiest on us to learn and so I wasn't sitting behind the plate at all for the five outs that this starter threw because I was I don't know too busy trying to get all this other information Mm -hmm. um I was watching him from like his open side I didn't even know what he threw because I wasn't behind the plate so I, we got back to the classroom and they're like, okay, we're writing up James Buckaloo. And I was like, 
I just panicked. I had like a panic attack. And thankfully, we wrote them up as a group mm-hmm. and kind of everybody contributed. So all everybody's thrown out all this stuff. And especially the guy next to me, he played for the Twins. His name's Tyler Robertson. And Robertson, like, he, he knows pitchers and he's he was really good at evaluating pitchers. So he had like tons of stuff to say. And so, like, I was just like, I don't even know where you saw this. Like this guy was out there for five seconds and <laughs> you have like 17 pages of things you can say and how you can help him and make him better and move him up a level. And I'm just like, all right, this is, I can't do this. And so everyone went for dinner and I like stayed back and I asked our coordinator, Will, I was like, can I watch the video? of Buckaloo and he was like he looked at me like I was a little bit nuts like what are you talking about and I was like can can I just please watch the video that we just watched and he was like all right weirdo and uh I'm sure that's what he was thinking he definitely didn't say that but um so he like let me and I had to watch it on like the projector because that was the only way to do it so I'm like in our giant classroom alone watching eight second clips of James Buckaloo's pitches and um just breaking down because I was like if I at least like if I can't see it in the game that's one thing but if everyone tells me what I should see and then I still can't see it Mm. watching it later then maybe I need to rethink this whole thing so I pretty much panicked and uh, spent my night just like watching James Buckley video until our my group instructor Andy Campbell he works for the Yankees now he he like found me and he's like you didn't come to dinner like are you gonna eat or what's up with you and I just like broke down I told him like I don't think I can do this I I don't know what I'm doing I didn't see what everyone else saw I I am having so much trouble with this I feel like I've been faking it my whole life watching baseball with velocities and pitch recognition already like out there for me and I mean it is a lot easier to identify pitches in the big leagues than it is the minor leagues because pitchers are better. Yeah. And those pitches are better. So, yeah, I completely lost my mind right away. And uh, Andy was like, I'll help you tomorrow. Like, pick one thing you want to work on. Because I told him I, like, didn't think I knew anything. He was like, pick one thing. So I picked pitch recognition and he was like okay like let's sit down and just tell me every pitch like just tell me what it is when it comes in so thankfully we had a better pitcher the next night and uh i it was super helpful to have andy and like he had told the rest of our group to go with another instructor Mm -hmm. and like maybe four innings in he was like look around you and i was like what are you talking about and he was like our whole i told our whole group to go with another instructor but they're all sitting here like listening to your questions and my answers because they don't necessarily know them either so that definitely helped me in a big big way because i really felt like super alone i was the only one not getting it the only one asking questions and um the only one like ready to jump off a ledge so Andy helped me with that a lot (laughs) that's amazing it's I think it's so interesting to have that that kind of dynamic in in a group where you've got like Shelly Duncan I don't know I off the top of my head he probably hit like 120 home runs in the big leagues like he had as a he had a career like he has like tons of service time like you said he comes from a baseball family and and then you know like these those, these front office these quant types I think the what's the Astros said uh, what's his name Sig Megdal to uh, sit on the bench and on some of their minor league teams to like to see the game from up close but uh, uh, that's an amazing story I'm thank you for sharing it with us it's uh, 
just uh, I can't even imagine. I'm the same thing. I, I can only imagine that if I, you know, I, yeah, I could sit on TV and even I can watch, see like, oh, yeah, he, he throws this and oh, look at the arm side run. And I talk like that with the guys on, on my baseball team and they're like, oh, my God. But that doesn't mean anything. Like, I, it, yeah. <laughs> if I had to actually like sit down and watch and break it down, it's so crazy. But so, what's the one thing that now? I, I, this is what I was. I've wondered. What's the one the one habit that you've come from now that you thing you didn't see before, but now you can't unsee. So when if you're watching a kid like again, you work with like, you know, lots of young players and, and, and guys who are uh, who are just beginning their kind of um, uh, stretch through through uh, through their, their baseball life. Is there one thing now that you you, you you've taken with with you? And when you see anybody, if it's like a hitch in their throw or something about hand wraps or whatever it is, is there one thing that you can't help but notice now? Yeah, I think, I mean, well, definitely there are a ton of bat wraps out there and like guys just move so much before they, before their swing, there's just so much movement, which I mean, to be honest, the guy that had the most of that when we were at scout school was probably Cody Bellinger. So do your thing. But, um, I think the thing that I do all the time now that I never, ever, I don't know, thought about before or definitely never did was, um, put guys in positions according to their tools. So um, obviously like there's the five tools, but when a guy like excels at one tool or two tools, I, I like, it's hard, I guess it's hard to explain, but I group them. So like if a guy is, if his number one tool is fielding, he's probably either gonna be a catcher or a center fielder. Um, and then if his, the difference between the two is if his number two tool is his arm or his hitting. Mm -hmm. So if he's best at fielding and hitting, then he's going to be a center fielder. If he's best at fielding and then throwing, he's going to be a catcher. Um, and you know, if a guy is a power guy, he's going to be a first baseman or a right fielder or at least a corner guy. So for me, like I, I definitely, I just, I try to like rank guys tools and position them now. Cause there's a lot of kids in the minor leagues, a lot of guys like in the Arizona fall league, a lot of guys in high school who aren't necessarily in the position that will be the best for them um, in the future or the position that they will land in, especially in high school. Like if you have only one or two, you're only going to have like one or two probably standout guys on a whole team Mm -hmm. and they're probably going to play up the middle, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if they go into pro ball, they're going to be a guy who plays center field or shortstop. Well, that's like my big joke online all the time is they're all shortstops. Like everybody in the big leagues (laughs) played shortstop. When they were in little league, they pitched. And then as they got up through the league, they like they were a shortstop. And then he was a shortstop. And then now it's like, oh, he's, you know, the plotting first baseman. And it's like, oh, I think it was in that um, the the only rule that has to work is they were talking about how the slowest guy on a big league roster is still so much faster than like every other human being that you're ever going to encounter in your in your daily life like as you go up the ladder they just the the separators become so great i mean those, those players are so good at everything like you said where okay well, if a high school guy's got one tool but when you see like a real five tool guy a guy who's got like a really what a true plus arm looks like it really kind of jumps off the page at you yeah it's uh it's, it is definitely, it's such a different way to look at it and just to kind of like break down the tools. And it, it's helped me a lot um, 
just to, I, I guess, to be able to see different sides of the game and to see how those tools benefit at each position and kind of like how that works. So, I mean, and it, it was all, that was all kind of stuff that like, you know, I knew that before, but I never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I, this has been amazing. I'm so happy that, that you've come on. This has been probably the best episode of Birds All Day of all time. I've, I've, I've learned so much. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do, well, this will be part one. We'll do another one soon. We could talk about Australia. We could talk about, you know, with the draft coming up, you know, you, we, it'd be, I, would, I would love to talk to you again at or just after the, the draft, which is uh, when in June. That's not even that, only a few weeks away now. But yeah. uh, let's, let's put a wrap on this one. And I will say thank you for coming on. And then we will do this definitely again and probably soon. Does that, is that okay with you? Can you make time for me again? Yeah, 100%. And I would love to talk about the draft. That's one of my, I mean, it's my definitely favorite three-day grouping of days in a year. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, I would love to do that. And I appreciate you having me on and, and hearing me out about all this stuff as well. No, I think, I think, I know, I don't think, I know that the people who listen to our show are going to be really interested in all this stuff that, that, uh, that we've already talked about. And yeah, after the draft, we'll have you on. You could tell us what we need to know about the about the names, the people, that the kids that got drafted and uh, and the kids that, that you've seen come through. So uh, anything else, anything you want to plug? Where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, I can definitely, my writing is um, still occasionally found at Canadian Baseball Network um, and there will be a piece up soon about, it's actually just about injuries and for the piece I talked to Devin Travis, Anthony Alford and Danny Jansen. So it was, it was definitely an interesting one for, for me. I don't know if they loved reliving it all with me, but they did. Um, and at the hardball times and fan graphs, um, and baseball America, my stuff is kind of a little bit all over the place. Um, and as the draft approaches, I'll have some more stuff on the Canadian premier baseball league as well with, um, a lot of our high school age players who are heading into the draft and who will be drafted. Amazing. Alexis, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, this special edition. Stoughton and I will be back tomorrow with uh, the regular thing that we do. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Birds All Day. We'll talk to you uh, later this week.